When I'm not hosting this podcast, I am writing books, but it is really hard for me to write when I'm at home, so I like to find remote cabins in the middle of nowhere to just hang out and write. But I hate the idea of my house just sitting empty, doing nothing but collecting dust and definitely not collecting checks. And that's why I'm an Airbnb host. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. Other popular side hustles are awesome too, don't get me wrong, but they often involve big startup costs. By hosting your space, you're monetizing what you already have access to. It doesn't get easier than that. And if you're new to the side hustle game and you're anxious about getting started, don't worry because you're not in this alone. Airbnb makes it super easy to host. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth a lot more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. I'm Nicole Lappin, the only financial expert you don't need a dictionary to understand. It's time for some money rehab. Today marks the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And today, I'm talking with someone who was actually there, in Ukraine, when the war broke out. Max Tchmerkovsky. Before February 2022, Max was known as a Ukrainian-born fan favorite Dancing with the Stars alum. But when he was stuck in Ukraine following the breakout of the war, he became the window into the conflict for many of us in America. And inadvertently, he also became the focus of complicated conversations at the intersection of privilege and conflict. Conversations that he has used for good. Here's our conversation. Welcome to Money Rehab. Thank you. On this anniversary, can you believe that this has been a year? No. No, I cannot. For those who don't know, you were in Ukraine filming, right, when the invasion happened. So what can you tell us about what February 24th was like? Terrifying. <clears throat> it was terrifying. It was 5 a.m. My friend called. My phone is like off the hook. So I got up. I looked down. It's like 5 in the morning. My friend in Kiev tells me, so just... Pack your bags, just chill, be very calm. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like the war has begun, but just be calm. Like, and just I get chill still. It's it was that the war has begun, and I was like, oh my god. And that and then it it was stress that I kind of never felt before in a way of like you know I'm all about the body and sort of the way things happen naturally and react. Like I had this, I don't want to say it, but like I've never smelled myself in my life ever. And it was like, I was there for eight days before I was able to take a train ride out. And I remember through it all, I'm like, I'm just, I'm like, oh my God, I'm just under so much stress. It's insane. So that, that's how it felt the whole time. But short, but outside of that, it was just, it was just stressful because for the first time, so I travel all the time. I can always come home. I can always come home, no matter what. I don't have a plane ticket. Here's credit card here's a you know ticket something else i'm always come i could not come home this was the most terrifying realization that when it when i realized i just can't get out that's instead like i can get out but it's not guaranteed you'll be on the road to poland from kiev which you usually takes like you know 10 hours 11 hours or something people standing there for what was it, like two and a half days Oh my God. running out of gas, starting to walk. Some people on the side of the road laying down, just freezing. It was just insane. There was shooting. There was like checkpoints. I mean, it, was just, it just got really out of hand. So that situation, the stress with not being able to get out, with the fact that it's not, you know, aggressive behavior, this is a full-out, full-out war. Like, 
World War II, like history book stuff. You know, I ended up in a situation in hindsight that was very safe. I was with a group of people that were, you know, part of media. And I was in a, a hotel, but I was in a space that was kind of like Switzerland in the middle of Kiev, where all the international media would have been. Um, but then I realized I'm a block away from, from Zelensky office where all of this is coming to. So I really need to go. And the day that I actually made my move to the train station and got out was when I started to get, uh, I had new contacts that I may, made, like all these like ex-Mossad and CI, you know, ex-CI operatives that were working with these sort of like, they were like now for hire kind of like people, the guides within that situation. And so they were all texting me like, you need to go tonight, like right now. And so when that started coming in, I'm like, okay, I got to get out. It sounds like those days were just full of adrenaline. Oh like my God. It's one thing, we all know somebody who is an active soldier or you know your uncle or cousin or whatever, military, you know, duty of duty type of situation. I have never met until then a soldier who's in the middle of the war. It's a completely different person. They have the different look in their eyes. They're there for a completely different reason. And I am none of those people. You, me, him, we, we are not that person. I had an amazing relationship with those people. I've gotten back to Ukraine through TV opportunities 11 years ago. You know, I rekindled, I was a 14-year-old that left the country that I was not sure where we're going, where we're going. I did not have a great time, you know, getting into the United States lifestyle. My brother was eight. He, he kind of like jumped in and here he was. I remember nine months later, I still don't speak English. I'm 15 now. I'm, I'm a teenager. I'm, I'm six foot one already. You know what I mean? Like, so I already stand out, but I can't open my mouth. I'm in the back of the class. I have no confidence. I literally haven't spoken until Dancing with the Stars. So, you know, all of those things happen. And I now in my mid 20s, realizing that maybe I also have a problem with the fact that, you know, what is my heritage? Where am I from? Where are my roots? You know what I mean? So things like that. So Ukraine for me, through Dancing with the Stars, and then the opportunities on TV, and then I started coming back, and I started realizing these are my people closer to than some of the immigrant, you know, generation that I grew up with, because we were from everywhere, you know? But this is where I'm from. And so it feels very kind of very, uh, you know, personal to me, right? So now we're talking a decade of relationships, of relationship building, of having, you know, friendships that are on, on this level. And when the war started, I was there for about six months or seven months before that sh filming Dancing with the Stars. I was a judge on Dancing with the Stars, so that's a live show once a week for like 14 weeks, you know, so I spend a lot, a lot of time in, in Kiev, a lot of time in Ukraine in general. So now I'm having all of these relationships, all these TV relationships, TV friendships, and I'm seeing these dancers that I just judged on Dancing with the Stars at front line. And I'm like, I can't put that together. And so, you know, I feel like, but I'm also part of that same group of people. You know, so that was the, you know, confusion for me and inside of me. And I needed to deal with that. And I dealt with it on my own. Like it's time multiplied by keep looking at the what's in front of you. The closest to me is my six-year-old, my wife. And that's it.
And just to clarify, you mean the people you were working with on TV there, all the men had to no. get called up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For duty. So that's what I mean. Yeah. So, so you um, were one of the few men on the train or the only men on I the was, train out. Oh, my God. I, I was so, so I, ha I had that realization when I got on train and the way I got on it again, they just literally shoved the, the it was me and maybe like two other people with different passports. Right. So we were three or four of those and they're like go and they kind of like shoved us in which we got in and i remember it's like a tiny train wagons that designed for like maybe 30 people and um the guy that was that walked in he's like i'm gonna have to have 130 heads in this wagon i was like i'm real clear i'm like where are they gonna go there was 132 people when it was said and done and it looked like like the the zombie run the only thing i can compare it to the whole thing was shaking people were let in to run if you make it you make it you know so a this is a long conversation because a lot of stuff happened the yeah. moms losing their kids the, the the you know the getting separated the fact that there was me and maybe like another guy around you know on the other side of the train and i was judging the entire train ride 27 hours i was like this guy is inside the train and on the bed and and i had taken my backpack put myself in in between the wagons so yeah. i was like you know in like a freezing temperature so the ladies would like hey come on in i would be let in you know that the, pass me sandwiches stuff like that I would eat my sandwich stand there and i like walk back out because there was literally no room to lay down on the floor to sit nothing so you know just a lot of that stuff you know, it's just ptsd and it's just a it's just dramatic experience. Well, you've talked about the PTSD for when you left Ukraine. I'm sure that that was all triggered last yeah. year. Yeah, and it was triggered last night. To be honest with you, like yesterday, I was sitting and you know just texting my friends, very small group of people, you know, and I'm like, and I didn't understand why, and I felt like I needed to let this out. I'm like, listen, I'm sorry, but you guys are gonna be it. It's the one year anniversary. For me, it's just unfathomable that we're still sitting here because my communication is, again, I have few friends, not speaking for the whole Ukraine, but the few friends that are actively right there in, what is it, like line zero type of stuff, you know, going in and out. Some are coming, some are able to come back and have communication. Some I haven't spoken to in months. You know, it's the reality. And I'm like, there is a generation of people that are getting hurt you know, that are dying, that are getting affected. And this is unfair. You've done so much work to do what you could, your own part. You went to Poland to help with aid efforts. You started the organization for tons of aid to Ukraine. You helped build homes for displaced families. You started a mobile app, right, not for enough. emergency. It's not enough, you know, and it, because it's, so first of all, thank you, but it's not for that. This wasn't it, you know. I support nonprofits for the last decade and a half the best way that I can and I do it as much as I can this was not our profession so we started it because it was like we all felt terrible and you know teary-eyed and you know emotional but in the process we're learning the the negatives of it all too you know how hard it is you know to continue first of all how hard it is we're like look at the times that we live in and at that time, I'm supposed to go out and try to, you know, get people to donate the little bits here and there just so that we can build that house and, you know, 
You know, so I believe in doing all you can, do your best, do what you can. <laughs> Gladly will lend my hand to whoever's listening and have a nonprofit or have some kind of fundraiser. Hit me up. You know, DM. I'll, I'll, I'll DM me, I'll post about it, you know, but it, you know, the problem is nowadays is so much, so much, you know, there's so much nasty stuff going on as well. You know, people try to benefit even on warfare. So that's why I try to stick to very um, reliable sources. And for example, you know, Bethany Frankel is somebody I'm, I'm close with. She hooked me up with, um, with Michael Capone, who runs a nonprofit called Global Empowerment Missions talk about somebody who got hundreds of millions of dollars immediately you know dedicated and continue to support like i mean it's just pushing massive amounts of humanitarian aid you know i believe in organizations like that that do massive things that use their financial know-how to build infrastructure that actually makes a difference on a level that you can feel 200 million dollars you can feel it a couple of thousand not sure we did a big thing in the very beginning a hundred percent. We put we pulled off unreasonable numbers of humanitarian aid collected by volunteers in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Like five hundred thousand pounds or something of aid. More, right? more. It just keeps going. We already stopped it a long time ago, but it, we keep shipping. Um, you know, so you don't we, think we, every little bit of matters? Course it does. Of course. It and does. what would you yeah. say? So if somebody's listening and and wants to help, what would your message? Give money somewhere, somebody else. Don't do it yourself. You're going to waste money. Just give, just do your research. Don't put it into like, you know, I, I, there were some A-list celebrities that started doing fundraisers for, through some kind of like, you know, fundraising platforms. Let's just be vague about this. Okay. You know, and so you put, you put together $42 million and you don't know that 18% goes away before you even blink. To the overhead. And why would you want to do that? Why, why, why would you want to raise so much money only to give away such a big chunk like i don't get it so you know it's just you're actually financing more of that stuff to be out there well i think anything you do with your money is a vote exactly oh, yeah right yeah that's a great that's yeah you know i'm single issue vote on this thing i just want ukraine to survive stand its ground get its territory back and it will prove to the u.s consumer that this friend that you just gained in eastern europe central most most powerful army today i mean you need that friend and and it's not world policing it's just making correct relationships so they speak your language they're the same people you hire and outsource you know for your finances and you know website building and marketing needs and youtube you know uh, uh, whatever it is monetization those are the ukrainians like they're they're the front of most of the things so you're going to see what that partnership is like. And so I can't wait for that type of win for Ukraine because Ukraine cannot wait to give back. This is the person that I think they are. The country. The, as a country, yeah, 100%. And, and so there. that's why it's going to be a beautiful place to visit, to see, to be a part of, to have a relationship with. And as an American, I think we're going to earn the right to be welcomed into this country and be like you know, thank you. Thank you for what this support was and how it was and, you know, what it did. Hold on to your wallets. Money Rehab will be right back. 
Money rehabbers, you have money hidden in your house. Yeah, just hiding there in plain sight. Okay, so I don't mean you have gold bars hidden somewhere in walls, treasure map style, but you do have a money-making opportunity that you're just leaving on the table if you're not hosting on Airbnb. It's one of my all-time favorite side hustles. By hosting your space, you are monetizing what you already own. It doesn't get easier than that. For me, hosting on Airbnb has always been a no-brainer. When I first signed up, I remember thinking to myself, self, you pay a lot of money for your house. It is time that house returned the favor. And to get real with you for a sec, I felt so much guilt before treating myself on vacation because traveling can be so expensive. But since hosting on Airbnb, I feel zero stress for treating myself to a much needed vacation because having Airbnb guests stay at my house when I'm traveling helps offset the cost of my travel. So it's such a win-win. I mean, if I could do it, you could do it. And your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you ever get FOMO, fear of missing out? Well, do you ever get FOMO Tupita, fear of missing out on the perfect hire? If so, I have the antidote. It's LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites, and that adds up to a serious squad of awesome candidates. LinkedIn has over a billion professionals on the platform, and these candidates are super qualified. So much so that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within just 24 hours. I work with LinkedIn Jobs for all of my dream team needs, so they're hooking up money rehabbers at linkedin.com slash MNN. Go there and you can post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash MNN, as in Money News Network, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And now for some more money rehab. What a stud that Zelensky man. <laughs> what a, a stud. He's a great guy. You know, you, you know that you know that show that he came. I know. Tell me more about it. This guy is a comedian. I didn't know that. Straight up, he's a comedian. And some time ago, he's just a comedian doing his thing. And then he's becoming a prominent comedian. And obviously somebody who, you know, has a bit know-how, you know, in business and all that. So he starts his own production company and you know, he created a uh, comedy network, like something like an SNL, you know what I mean? Like one of those like Saturday Night Live type of situations. Like variety everybody. show. Yeah, variety show where everybody comes in, all the comedians. And then so he, his production company is popping off. So then he's entered, you know, the movie sphere. And then this reality, not reality, that this TV series comes out where he's called um, Sluga Naroda, uh, People's servant servant of people of, of the people or whatever it is which by the way is the name of this political party the exact same name and so he created this show the sitcom where he's a starting character and he's a regular person who just by accident somehow gets uh, didn't watch the show who gets elected to be the president just out of nowhere somehow it just happened on the in the midst of the ukrainian nonsense on a political level since the 90s where it was just a lot of finances into pro-russian bullshit politics on that government level the people in ukraine when there was a poll were asked who is your ideal president and they said this freaking guy that's amazing and they called him by his whatever stage name <laughs> that guy is my president this is who I want in my office. This is who I want to come from, like where that my president to come from. I don't want a president like the guy that was at some point when I was there shooting Bachelor and he was building, 
in a bro, in a broke country, he was building a helipad for a hundred million dollars, smack in the middle of the Kiev. And I'm like, that's not the president so you want. So this would be like the West Wing president, right? But there was the first time on the television. It's the big. It's a big hit. Everybody's watching. They're like, that's who I want as my president. He won by a landslide. He won by a landslide. No questions asked. That's the dude. And, this, and you can you can you can find dirt, and he's getting. You know, I'm sure put a dossier on, you know what I'm saying? You know how it is, the opposition and all this stuff. Oh, you know, it's a money laundering and this and the other. Look, the reality is that this dude is for a year in freaking office, you know what I'm saying? With a target on his back by some of the most powerful, you know, I look at Putin like the worst horrible bad guy in a 007 movie that's ever been created. Like this is this is just a movie we're watching. You could say what you want, but this dude... Two minutes ago was just me and you and somebody else on TV trying to create a successful podcast. No, no, not, he was you like know? you. I'm actually seeing some stark similarities here. So he was on a popular show. <laughs> Hold on. And people loved him. He was Look, beloved. I'm going to tell it right now. I'm, I will never run for political <laughs> office. I was going to say. Never say never, but don't do so don't, no, no do president not, Shumrovsky? In my, in my... Prime Minister? Look. Nothing. I'm going to say it right now. In my life most of the stuff that i said i will never do like i said dancing i swear to god i was going for chemistry and bio that's it i was going to be a pharmacist i care nothing about dance i sucked at dance it was not my thing i did not like it i also didn't want to smile and do the cha-cha i was i was terrified we can talk about my childhood and all that I wanted to do chemistry and biology. Sure. That's and it. And then you did dancing, and now because you don't want to do politics. Because I said I will never do it. Exactly. No, I'm never doing politics. Stop it. 100%. No 1,000 million. Your wife is pregnant. As she's calling, I'm just like, is it time? When is she to actually do? <laughs> Later. We're halfway through. Okay. You know, we're lucky with this one. Thank you so much. I, um, I'm so excited for you guys. I read how difficult the fertility journey has been. Do you think some of that was contributed to you by the stress of Ukraine? She went to visit me in October in Kiev, and we got pregnant in Kiev. We got pregnant and had another miscarriage shortly after. It was terrible. And so she lost that I'm one so too. Sorry. So it was like, it wasn't about, no, I mean, it was again, it was, I think, fourth, third at that time. Then, miscarriage. Miscarriage. Yeah. Then we had decided, we had decided, Peter decided that this that, that she wanted to do an IVF and it didn't work. And to watch her, you know, having made that IVF decision and be public about it and how beautiful it was, to the, the processes of it, you know, and watching her be sort of like content, like this is obviously a sure thing. And then it didn't work. It was the most devastating ever. And so what happened, she had the news on Monday, picked up the phone, had the horrible 24 hours, picked up the phone, called the you know, casting director, who I'll always be grateful for, for that alone, not even the last 20 years, but for that alone. And she's like, I want my job back. She's like, you're in. On Thursday, she, she met her partner, was on Dancing with the Stars. And four weeks later, we got pregnant. Didn't even know about it. So it's again, like... You know, when you chill and you calm and you happy, you know, beautiful things happen. So the stress of Ukraine didn't affect your relationship? Of course it did. I mean, she spent like, um, you know, the whole time I was there, she was on the couch. I don't think she slept for like eight days. 
it did. We were stressed. The miscarriages happened. There was another one that happened over over the summer through this process. I mean, it was just nonsense. We are we are now slowly coming out of some of the most stressful years that I've ever had. And it was years. I mean, again, for probably everybody, but damn, you need stamina. And you have it. I think immigration like really reinforces a lot of things, and and it gives you that that opportunity to kind of probably turn the other cheek to some some of the life stuff. Let's talk about when the conflict ends, because right. I'm hopeful. Yes, it will. Uh, will you go back? Will you take your kids? Can back? I wait? Okay. Can I wait? So I can't wait. I would have gone back already. <clears throat> I the, the one of the one of my friends back and forth in the front we had actually plans for a show he's a tv personality as well and we had a project in the works that we started right as it all happened and you know i can't wait to get back to that i can't wait to get back to you know my dancing with the stars so you know world of dance families i can't you know the some of the people that i met to work with the producers the directors the stage hands the camera guys i mean you know the the dancing in that place is just, you know, that the, we, we always attach art to something that you go through on a personal level. Can you imagine art coming out of that place? Yeah. Art imitating that life. You know, or, or, just, or, or just art driven by real emotions. You, you know, and I'm not saying U.S. is all that. I am in love with this place. This is home. This is forever home. And I'm grateful to this country. It's not a freaking promotion i'm telling you this is how i feel because and people who ever say anything against this place go to anywhere else on the on the planet i promise anywhere on the planet no matter how beautiful it is you know there's this joke it's a it's a long joke but the the punchline is don't confuse vacation with immigration the tools and opportunities that this place gives you i'm a forever advocate so if you look back at the year what a crazy year it's been do you have a few like summary words that you would describe what that experience is like now that you've done all this work and have this perspective that was the most you know to avoid cliched most growth i've probably ever had in one calendar year Again, we did go through a lot of stuff as a family and, you know, personally, I went through a lot of things that maybe most of the people don't go, don't get to. I just, I, you know, I learned also how to appreciate what you have, you know, because we just say it with some TikTokable, you know, hashtag, you know, popular hashtag. But the reality is, you know, this year just showed also what kind of people that there are and i'm gonna have to give this homage to the ukrainians you know and and i'm not saying that they're only ones but i'm saying that that's an example and i think it's gonna go a long way you know for the rest of the world like looking in like wait a minute it ain't about the size you know geographically you know it's about the the what's on the inside to be fair did any of us know what kind of warfare can there be nowadays? No, we didn't. Now we're looking at the most warfare there can possibly be. So if that's what it is and what's required is a little bit of money, a lot of money, but, you know, and a lot of bit of heart, because U.S., nobody would have been helping that place, regardless of where it is geographically, if the people didn't stand up. Yeah, what Ukraine lacks in money, they make up 
in heart for sure. Well, we wouldn't have invested. The entire world is investing. Let's it's a bad, dirty word, but you you know, we're here and that's all it is. People are investing. You asked me before what what is it like when Ukraine wins? It's a center of the economic boom. It's definitely the most um, desirable geographical location on earth to be a part of. You're asking me if I want to come back? Hell yeah, I want to come back. I want to be part of the rebuild. I want to be part of, you know, use me, take, you know, whatever you need me to do, I'm here. Listen, I'm allergic to cliches normally, but if growth is a cliche, then sign me up for that one. For sure. And also appreciate, I mean, if we use our finance lens, because that's where we're at right now, if you appreciate, then it appreciates and it grows, right? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You appreciate and it appreciates. Okay. Yeah. Money Rehab is a production of Money News Network. I'm your host, Nicole Lappin. Money Rehab's executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. Our researcher is Emily Holmes. Do you need some money rehab? And let's be honest, we all do. So email us your money questions, moneyrehab at moneynewsnetwork.com to potentially have your questions answered on the show or even have a one-on-one intervention with me. And follow us on Instagram at moneynews and TikTok at moneynewsnetwork for exclusive video content. And lastly, thank you. No, seriously, thank you. Thank you for listening and for investing in yourself, which is the most important investment you can make.